home desk. So I pray that tonight you would be encouraged as we bring this prayer of the garden to a wrap up. Um, as I mentioned to you last week, I found myself in Song of Solomon chapter five, and I was captivated by the verse um, of verse two, where it says, I slept, but my heart was awake, a sound my beloved is knocking open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew, my locks with drops of the night. And when I read that immediately, I was captivated in that verse because I thought, Lord, you are speaking of the time when you were praying in the garden, when you were going before the Father because of the cross that was before you. And so as I saw that, I said, you know what, we will end the garden prayer going into the Song of Solomon and we will visit this conversation. Of course, the story is between Solomon, King Solomon, and the Shulamite woman. But tonight we're going to look at it as a picture between Christ, the bridegroom, and his bride, the church. So as we've been studying the Lord's Prayer in the Garden of uh, Gethsemane, uh, we saw him become very agonized at the thought of being separated from his father because in, in all of his time, he had never experienced separation from his father. And so here he is in the garden agonizing at what is impending before him. And he calls his disciples to come with him as we saw. And, and we learned from that, that he was, he was establishing with them that it was important for them to have a set place and a set time that in their days of regular prayer, because it was known that Jesus would go to the garden to pray. Um, and while he was with them, being that living example of pouring himself out to the Lord, his disciples are able to see or hear. How many know, even though that they fell asleep subconsciously, they must have been hearing something. And so they could testify, their conscious, their soul could testify of this agonizing Christ calling out to his father. And so we could know that it's not through the eloquence of our prayers. It's not through our lofty words that we would use but it's through that agonizing, that moaning, that groaning, even our tears are a language, our groans are a language to God in prayer. And so we know that here Jesus is crying out to his father. And he, before he, he while he is praying, he goes back to his disciples and he finds them asleep. Now, he addresses Peter, as we saw last week, and he said to him, Simon, you've fallen asleep. But this was the Peter that had said to him, Lord, even though they all fall away, I won't. I won't. And what was the Lord's words to him? Watch and pray that you not enter into temptation. And so from there tonight, I want to take us and start off with this Song of Solomon, chapter five. And uh, we're just going to look at the first four verses because there's so much more that could be said, but it would take a few uh, weeks to uh, unpack that, that whole chapter. But just before we do, just let's pray for a blessing on the word. So, Father God, as Brother Carlton has prayed tonight, I just come under the submission of your Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me in everything that you want said, oh God. 
Let nothing be said that is not intended of you, and Lord, only that which you want to be declared, O God, may it come forth from my lips, Lord Jesus. I place myself behind your cross that you would receive all the glory and all the honor in tonight's Bible study. In your name I pray, amen. So scripture always interprets scripture. We have said this time and time again from our pulpit in the church and scriptures will always point us to Christ. The Old Test, the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So it should not be surprising for us that we should open up the book of Song of Solomons and find Christ in this book. It should not be a surprise to us that we should even find an illustration that loops us in to the, the garden prayer. And this past weekend, we, we celebrated the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we were 2,000 years back in time, perhaps we would be of one of two crowds. We would be of the crowd that was very elated um, at, at the sound of, of the Lord being alive, or we would be of the group that was concerned what was happening, concerned with uh, the, the despair, where was the Lord's body, as we saw illustrated last weekend in, in, in John chapter 20, when, when Mary of Magdala went seeking for the Lord. And while she's seeking for him, she asks, where have you laid him? She's grieving within her heart. She's weeping. And what she perceives is a gardener says to her, why are you weeping? And as he speaks, I'm just condensing the story. She turns to him and says, Rabboni, meaning teacher. She's there in her despair. She's there in, in the longing of her heart. Where is my savior? Where has he gone? And have you ever been in a time in your walk with the Lord where you've had times of gladness, times of joy, elation? Have you ever gone to church and enjoyed every aspect of that church service right from the onset of the first strum of the guitar or the first impact of the keyboards and, and the songs were sung and the words and everything enveloped you into the very presence of the Lord. And as the word went forth, it went into your heart and it just laid hold of your heart. And you left that, that service saying, oh, that I would be in this fellowship forever. And you, you purposed within your heart that you would not lose that sense of joy and gladness. You would not lose that sense of of God's presence that you felt and you have tasted. And then the enemy comes. The enemy comes like what happened with Peter when he says, oh, Lord, even if the others do, I, I won't. I, I won't do that, Lord. The enemy came and, and there he was. He was sound asleep. You see, his heart was willing, but his spirit was weak. And so the children of Israel, did they not also encounter such a dilemma when they were, did the, the Jericho march around the walls of Jericho and, and on that seventh march, they, they sounded the trumpet just as God had commanded and the walls came tumbling down and there was joy and, and elation. But then what happened? AI was just on the piggyback of that joy. And so sometimes you could lead the presence of the Lord, you could lead the service, you could lead the that time of prayer at your home in, in, in your quiet time and you kids leave so filled up and bang, you run face into the devil. 
Even though they fall away, Lord, I won't fall away. That was Peter's words. But the Lord said, ah, though the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak in Matthew 26, verse 41. That's what he said to them in, 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 in the garden. Your spirit is willing. You, you, you want to, but your, your flesh is weak. Yes, because sometimes there's going to be times of darkness. Yes, because sometimes, you know what? We're going to face the clouds. Sometimes they're, they're, it's going to feel like they're just looming over us. And we sense that we cannot discern the Lord's presence anymore. And we find ourselves longing find ourselves um, in just that place of where is my Lord? Where, where is my God? And so tonight the Shulamite woman has gone to bed. She's gone to sleep. But as she is there nestled in her bed, something, her heart is awake. Her mind and her heart are in a place of deep sleep, deep thought. So though her body physically is feeling tired and falling asleep, her mind is going, her thoughts are racing. Verse two says, I slept, but my heart was awake. Deep thought. When we've come into an encounter in our faith in Christ, and the work that he did on the cross, when we come to experience and know everything that is wrapped up in what we call the Easter story, that same resurrection life, when we come to believe, you know what, Jesus, I know that you died. I know that you went to the cross for me. When we come to believe that, when we then say, Lord, I believe you rose again. I believe that God raised you up again, that you conquered over death. When we come to declare that, it's the Holy Spirit that is working in us. It's the Holy Spirit power that is causing us to make this confession. And so while she was um, outwardly in bed, if you want to say it physically, if you saw her in her chamber that night, you would have seen her laying down. But in her heart... There was a sense of complacency. There was a sense of lethargy. Um, maybe she had become lethargic to the deeper things of God. We'll, we'll understand that better as we go on. But the Holy Spirit is at work in her. The Holy Spirit is not allowing her to, to fall into that place of complacently, complacency. He's not allowing that lethargy to consume her because he's stirring the waters within her. Galatians 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What was Paul saying here in this passage? He's saying that the heart that is in union and communion with Christ is the one that is sensitive and alert to the still, small voice of God. When you're in communion and fellowship with the Lord, when you're in that union with him, your spirit is in tune to his Holy Spirit speaking to you. 
our inner man does not sleep. And so as her lover came knocking, as soon as she heard the sound of him knocking, she recognized he was calling out to her. Verse two again says, a sound, my beloved is knocking, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, for my head is wet with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. The Lord is saying to her, open to me. Notice here, he did not say, open to me, my bride. No, he, he's calling out to her to open her heart, even further to receive him as, as the one whose head was wet and covered with the drops of the night. He, he, was, he was bidding for her to know him as the one who agonized for her in the garden. He, he was calling out to her to know him as the one who was willing to be separated from his father for her. He was bidding to her to know him as the one who willfully surrendered and laid his life down for her. And he's knocking and he's saying to her, I want you to know me deeper. What is that deeper knowing that Jesus is referencing here? Why is Jesus saying to her, I want you to know me deeper? I believe Paul is the only one who could articulate this in the fashion in which Jesus was referencing that deepness. Paul says it to this, this way in Philippians 3, verses 10 to 12. It'll be on the screen in the ESV, but I want to read it to you in the Amplified because it just says it in, in such a beautiful way. It says, so that I may know him experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. And in that same way, experience the power of his resurrection, which overflows and is active in believers. And that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually conformed inward into his likeness, even to his death, dying as he did, so that I may attain to the resurrection that will raise me from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it, this goal of being Christ-like, or have already been made perfect, but I actively press on so that I may take hold of that perfection for which Christ Jesus took hold of me and made me his own. Wow. That was John, Paul's ambition that I may know him. And so he is knocking here. King Solomon is knocking on the Shulamite woman's door. Jesus is knocking and he's addressing her. My sister, my sister, indicating what? That they share the same DNA. How could they possibly share the same DNA? How can you 
be referenced as my sister because of the blood. Whose blood? The blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross. That is what connects them spiritually. In the spiritual DNA, they are connected. And he says to her, my sister, open the door. Open the door that I may come in. My love. He calls to her, my sister, my love, indicating what? That he is the Jesus. He is the Godhead that so loved her. That so loved her that he was willing to die on the cross for her. He was willing to go to the ultimate sacrifice of his own life. My love. Open to me, my sister, my love, and my dove, my dove. Was not when Jesus baptized, was there not from heaven a form of a dove that came and God spoke, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? Was that dove not a representation of the Holy Spirit? When he references here, my dove, he is speaking into that promise of the Holy Spirit that is residing and present within her. Because that Holy Spirit is who is convicting her right now, who is convincing her right now. That Holy Spirit is the one that would lead her and guide her in the way. He's saying to you and me tonight, my sister, my love, my dove. Revelations 3 and 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. And so the king here, her lover, is seeking for an open door an open door to her heart to receive him as king in her life. Does this bear any sort of resemblance in you? Does this trigger any thoughts in your mind? In the first part of Songs of Solomon, this is where we understand that the Lord is being, that the Lord is king, because in Songs of Solomon 1 verse 12, she referenced, while the king was on his couch, my nard gave forth his fragrance. So right there we see and understand that the king is entreating her, open the door, open the door, king. Remember when we studied the Lord's Prayer and the disciples said, teacher, Jesus, teach us to pray. And in verse 10 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come. And at that time, when we looked at the word kingdom, we understood that it came from two Latin words, king, pertaining to king, of course, and dumb, pertaining 
to dominion, the word dominion. So when you have the word kingdom, it is where the king has dominion. That is what we discovered at that time. And we looked at Luke chapter 17, verses 21, or 20 and 21. Actually, let's just focus on 21. And it says, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. What was Jesus saying to them at that time? He was saying that the kingdom of God is within you. The king has come to take up residence where? In your heart. So in other words, he's saying, I know you asked me to be your Lord and Savior. But tomorrow, when you have an argument with your spouse, tomorrow when things are going crazy in your life, is my kingdom still in your life? Am I still ruling and reigning in your life? Do I still have full control as king? over the dominion of your life. And so our Lord is seeking out his bride. He is seeking out his sister, I mean, his, his love, his dove. And he's saying, open the door to me. Am I still king? Do I have authority in your heart? He's seeking for her to open the door to a new revelation of him. Sure, she'd already opened her her heart to him to receive him in her life, but now the Lord desired to take her deeper. The Lord desired for her to receive him. What does John 1 and 12 say? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. The Amplified Version says it even more detailed. It says this, but to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in and rely on his name to those who would welcome him no pressure no pressure at all just waiting for you to welcome him just waiting for you to open the door he stands at the door and he knocks what an, an amazing invitation the, the Lord is making here. He's making it to her, but he's making it to us. Two things happen. Two perspectives we can have. One is her response. Verse three, wait until you hear it. It says, I had put off my garment. How could I put it on? I had bathed my feet. How could I soil them? Oh, come on. It equates to this. Come on. I've taken my clothes off. I have my pajamas on. Do I have to get dressed again? I've even washed my feet. Do I have to get up and get them dirty? 
What was she doing? She was making excuses. You know, aren't we guilty of making those kind of excuses when the king comes knocking on our door and says, hey, would you open the door? I want to have a deeper fellowship with you. I want to have a more intimate fellowship with you. And, and we go, ah, oh. some excuses might be, I can't make it to church today. I, I, I don't have time to, to read my, my, my word. I don't have time to read the Bible, you know, because I, I don't have time to pray because excuses, excuses. She's laying in bed. The king is knocking at her door and she's giving excuses. And we've done the same, haven't we? We've been in that place where we've allowed circumstances around us to dictate our actions. But isn't the root of these excuses something deeper? Something deeper than maybe not having time with God? Something deeper than uh, not being able to go to church because dot, dot, dot. Maybe there's other roots that are strongholds within our lives, roots of unforgiveness, roots of resentment, roots of, of broken relationship. And, and, and not going to church allows us to just be engulfed and enveloped within ourselves and, and, and be able to, to put off knowing that when we're in his presence, he's going to deal with those areas, knowing that when we're in his presence, he's going to touch on those areas that we need to make right. And so we make excuses, can't go in your word. Oh, because when I'm in the word of God, the spirit of God speaks to me and convicts those areas of my life that need polishing, need, need, you know, refining oh, I can't pray because when I pray, then the spirit of God would convict the prayers that I pray, knowing that they're just in a lofty spirit, knowing that there are areas I haven't resolved with him. Isaiah 53, Jesus dealt with our excuses. Jesus dealt with our issues at the cross. Isaiah 53, verses three, four, five, and six. I'm just going to take specific lines they may they, the whole verse will appear to you verse three he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief verse four the first part surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows Verse five, again, the first part, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Yes, crushed, the garden crushed. And verse six, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We are caught up in our own excuses in our own situations, our own reasons as to why we can't answer the door bidding us to a deeper walk a deeper relationship so we make excuses as to why our fellowship is broken with him we make excuses as to why we're not opening the door well we have to come to that place of saying you know what lord 
I need to make it right. Sometimes we're, we're too caught up with what somebody did wrong to us. You know, instead of going to church, we'll stay home because then we don't have to see them and have that memory of what we need to make right, as I already said. Or we come to church and we sit as far away from them as we can. So we're not convicted to make things right. If that person had not have done me wrong, Lord, if they had not have did what they did to me, I wouldn't be having the pain that I'm having right now. Really? This is what Jesus did on the cross. Verse three, he was acquainted with that grief. He was acquainted with that pain. Grief is, in the, in, is used here in the singular sense. In the Hebrew, the word is choli or koli. And what is it referring to? It's referring to our sickness, our disease, not just our sickness of our body, but the disease that is enveloping us. What is that sickness? Is it the sickness of our heart? Is it the sickness of our mind? Is it the sickness of our body? You know what? He was acquainted with that grief. He was acquainted with that sickness. That's what the cross did. It brought him to that place that where you're saying right now, if you knew the pain, you would understand. And he's saying, oh, I know the pain. I am acquainted with it. The very thing you're holding as an excuse to not fully open the door and not fully experience him in that deeper place, that deeper level, he knows all about it. And what was his response? Verse four of Isaiah 53. He, was, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Right here, that word sorrows in the Hebrew is makob. I referenced this on Friday. That word makob means our physical pain our mental pain. So he bore not only our grief, our sickness, but whatever it was, mental pain, mental distress, mental illness, our physical pain, our physical sickness, the disease of our bodies, he bore that. He took that sorrow, that weight. When somebody is in a place of sorrow, they are downcast. Their, their body is, is, is just forlorn. He took that sorrow upon himself and he carried it. Where? To the cross. So those things that attack you in the mind and in your body, those things that keep you up at night worrying, those things that keep you up harboring resentment, he bore them. He bore them for you. But not only this, not only this, he's standing at the door waiting for us to open for that deeper and intimate walk with him. Because in verse five, it says this, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement, the punishment that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. With what? 
With what are we healed? With his stripes. With his stripes. The stripes in the Hebrew, because it's Old Testament, so it was written in the Hebrew, right? Is Shavarah. I hope I said that correctly. Shavarah. It means to fellowship. It means, it's like the literal sense of a small group of like-minded Jews of that time. They were, they were like a small group of like-minded people. Shabbarah. In other words, he's standing at the door knocking, inviting you into a fellowship of what he suffered for you. He understood. He entered into your pain. And now he's asking you, enter into a deeper relationship with me. Let's revisit what Paul said, that I may know him that I may be acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely. Could you see yourself walking in that kind of knowing with your Jesus? Understanding him more deeply, being more acquainted with the suffering that he took upon the cross, when he carried your grief, when he carried your sorrows, when he bore those stripes. What an amazing calling. What an amazing invitation is being made to us. Open the door. The stripping of the cross is what brings us to to such a place with Christ that the resemblance of the old self is fully stripped away, is fully stripped away. When we receive the Christ who died on the cross, that old me in receiving him is fully stripped away. So that brings us to the other perspective when she says, I've already removed my garments. In other words, I've already removed the old man. Are you asking me to put that old man on again? I've removed my shoes and washed my feet. I don't even go the places I used to go. I I don't even do the things I once did. Are you asking me? To go again, go back? But Christ was not asking for the old man to be put on. He wanted her to enter into the victory that the cross brings. He took care of all of the old man. His invitation is to that triumphant life. His invitation is where death was defeated. And there is life eternal. His invitation was that she would see him as the triumphant Christ and behold him in his glory. Maybe you would understand it better if we looked at it from 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. It says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. 
in essence, this is what's being said. For now, in this time of my life of imperfection, I see in the mirror dimly a blurred reflection, a riddle, enigma. But then when the time of perfection comes, we will see reality. We will see face to face. Now I know just in part, just a little bit, just fragments. But then I will know fully, just as I have been fully known by God. Look back at verse 3. I have put off my garments. How can I put it on? I've bathed my feet. How could I soil them? Oh, she was diligent in keeping herself cleansed and purified from sins. Sure. Oh, she even went the distance of keeping herself from the things that would defile her, the places that would cause her to walk in that old pattern, maybe. But she was missing the point. In this perspective, she was missing the point. She was only seeing in part. Maybe you're in that place tonight. Maybe you're in that place that you're only seeing in part the invitation that Jesus is making to you. You see, often we have looked at Revelations 3 verse 20 as a salvation word saying, oh, the Lord is standing at the door of your, of your heart just asking if he could come in and then we pray the sinner's prayer and all oh, we're saved and glorious, but he's asking for a deeper place because the heart is the throne of our life. It's more than just the salvation prayer. He's calling her to her time where she would see with her eyes fully who he was. That she would be made whole in him. He was calling to her to a place, to a depth in her faith that is beyond the righteous acts of just putting off the old man and putting off the old ways of walking, the dirty feet. He's calling her into a fellowship and a relationship with him. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking because I want to disturb your righteous acts. I want you to open the door so that we can have fellowship, that you can dine at the table of my word because I'm the word, because I'm the living word. That's what I want for you. I want you to come out of your complacency, come out of that bed. That is just holding you up. May I be so bold as to say some of us have stayed away from the house of the Lord because we've allowed the fears of man and the fears of COVID to keep us from having fellowship. Jesus is calling us to a deeper place of faith. He's saying, I'm calling you to a deeper faith with me. I'm calling you to a place where I'm walking beside you. I'm leading you. I'm talking with you. I'm having fellowship with you. Something happens here. Something happens because remember, she said that her heart was stirred. Verse 4. 
My beloved put his hand to the latch and my heart was thrilled within me. So now her heart went from keeping her awake to now her heart being thrilled within her. When I read this immediately, my mind went to Luke chapter 24. When the Lord entered into the walk of the two men on the road to Emmaus, we see Cleopas and his friend, and we never get to know that friend's name. But we know this, we can enter ourselves into that picture. We can be that unknown friend. And Jesus enters into that walk with them as they are on the journey to Emmaus. And what has happened? They are in a place of grief. Bringing you back to where we started. Have you ever been in that church service where you made that promise because you've encountered the Christ? Or like Peter, Lord, everybody else could fall away, but not me, not me, Lord. And then all of a sudden you found yourself in that place of grief, founding yourself detached because you allowed excuses to enter in. Well, here they were walking on the road and the Lord enters in and he asks them what is wrong. And they're like, where have you come from? Like, hello, have you not heard the news of what's going on? Have you not heard what's going on in Jerusalem? Like, where have you been? Are you a visitor? <laughs> like, their eyes were not opened. The scripture tells us their eyes were not opened right? They saw not even in part at that point. And so then he begins to, starting with Moses and the prophets, and he begins to unveil. And finally, they meet, they arrive to that place of Emmaus, and Jesus acts as though he's going to go keep walking. And they're like, no, no, come, come and eat with us. It's in that time of fellowship, that time of, of having relation that time of joining in is that as we saw in Isaiah 53, that Shavarah being in the group of those that are of like mind. And while they are in that place and he breaks the bread, their eyes were open and they saw him. They, they saw him as the Christ and and he vanished from their sight. And they looked at each other and verse 32 of Luke 24 said this, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? How did the Shulamite woman respond? When she saw his hand, what did he say to Thomas? Thomas, look, my hands. Look, Thomas, my hands. Look here, my side. When Thomas saw the markings of the cross, he said, my Lord and my God. The Shulamite woman, when his hand went to reach the latch of her heart, her heart was stirred. It was thrilled within her. The agony of the garden, the sweet surrender of Jesus, 
saying, nevertheless, Father, not my will, but yours be done, brought him to the cross. And on that cross, he bore our grief. He bore our sorrows so that he would be acquainted, so that he would be in fellowship. He knows exactly what we are in pain of. He knows where you are tonight. He knows the state of your heart. And he's saying it was for this that I agonized in the cross, uh, in the garden. It was for this that I agonized because I knew that going to the cross was going to separate me from my father. But in going to the cross, I would enter into that place of knowing the fellowship and the griefs that you would have in life. But I still willfully chose to bear them as stripes on my back. And so here in the agony of the garden, we wrap it up with Songs of Solomon 5. Open to me the door, my beloved, my love, my sister, my love, my dove. And he's calling out to you tonight that you would walk in a deeper relationship with him, that you would intimately know him, that you would be more acquainted with him. That is the, that is the sum of this agony that we saw our Christ in. In the crushing of the grapes, we saw the pure oil we saw as he went back once, twice, three times. The first time the olive is pressed is the purest oil. The second time, the third time, each time the olive was pressed, there was an oil that came forth. And we saw this demonstrated in our Christ. Why? So that we could enter into a deeper relationship with him. Tonight he's standing at the door and he's knocking. Yes, you're saved. Yes, you've asked him to be your savior. But he's saying, am I king? Am I the king in your life? Do I have dominion? And won't you walk in that deeper place of intimacy with me? Let's pray. And so, Father God, we thank you. We thank you that through the Shulamite woman, we see a picture of ourselves. We see all that you did on the cross. We see that, Lord, as your blood was shed, we came united in our spiritual DNA with you. We see that you so loved us that you were willing to come and die on that cross. We see that in you dying and returning to the Father, that the Holy Spirit was able to come and to lead us in all of our ways. And so God, tonight I pray that we would enter into that place of opening the door of our hearts and saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want to go deeper with you. I want to walk in fellowship with you. I want to be acquainted with the suffering that you had on the cross that I may know and perceive and fully understand. Oh God, may that be our prayer tonight. May we lay aside our excuses. 
And may we enter into full relationship with you, into the deeper places with you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. Uh, thank you for joining me tonight in my office. I pray the blessings of the Lord upon you. I pray his Holy Spirit to just stir your hearts. Uh, we will be here tomorrow morning on Facebook Live and um, Instagram and YouTube as Pastor continues with our morning devotions. And Sunday morning, get ready to join us. Don't let an excuse keep you from the house of God. Get ready to join us as Pastor brings a powerful word. We'll be back here next Wednesday night with our our. Um, our, our Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to have a topical study next week. It's just a one night stand as we uh, embark on a new series in May. So the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you. God bless you all. Bye for now.